Hi everyone, it's Margaret, and I wanted to share a quick introduction before this episode. That's because this week's episode is our second edition of our special After Hours show. That means this one's best for adults only. Since episode one of Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, we've always worked to make a show that is fun, informative, and engaging for all audiences. So with that, on this episode, we are still not going to be crass, inappropriate, or do anything that feels out of the ordinary from what you've come to expect from our show. But I do want to let parents know that the misconceptions that we will be covering today may not be the ones that you'd want to listen to alongside your children. If you are ready to have some conversations about more adult-related topics with your kids, feel free to keep listening. If that's not the kind of conversation you were hoping to have this week, I recommend you maybe turn off this episode and tune in next week where we resume our episodes with our normal, family-friendly misconceptions. So with that said, either stop the podcast or welcome to the second After Hours episode of Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to a very special episode of After Hours, Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions. We are so excited to have you here. This is the show where we talk about scientific misconceptions that we all have, and we hope that you learn something about the world. Now, this episode, as I mentioned, will have an adult twist. I'm here with my co-host Camden, Mr. Agenda, Hanslick Burton. And joining me is my co-host, Margaret Little Demon, Hanslick Burton. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Our first segment every week is where we share something we're excited about. Kevin, what are you excited about this week? I've been playing with my 3D printer, mm-hmm. which has been a lot of fun. Um, there's a website uh, called Tinkercad, like mm-hmm. tinkering around. Right. Um, CAD, C-A-D. Um, and it lets you, it's a very easy, like anybody, anybody. It's for kids. It's for mm-hmm. anyone can learn how to make like, 3D models, um, download the files, put them into your 3D printer, and it'll print stuff. It's really fun. Um, I've made, I've just been tinkering with like, Different little games to play. You made like me a, a comb. You wanted a special comb that mm-hmm. had different spacing in it. And mm-hmm. I made... Um, you made a kind of a tic-tac-toe game. Yep. And then an avocado pit holder mm-hmm. so that we can grow avocados. So yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. And tinkering is really fun even as an adult. So that's what Absolutely. I've been doing. Well, that's kind of along the lines of what I am excited about I am excited because we are finally going to figure out how to install a rain barrel. It's been raining a lot recently. And so our our county luckily will reimburse you, I think, for half of what you would spend on a rain barrel to try to encourage folks to ha- do more sustainable actions. And so we're learning how to do that process. You're going to have a baby rain barrel a baby soon. Rain Parent barrel. a new rain barrel. <laughs> Uh, Well, thanks, Camden. So I want to talk before we get into our misconceptions about Patreon subscribers. Tell me about why I should be a Patreon subscriber for this show. You know, as I hope everyone now at this point has come to love us for our personalities, our the information you get, our wit. Mm -hmm. And we hope that when you tune into us, 
you just have a little there's a little bit of a lighter pep to your step you get <laughs> you hear some friendly voices you learn a little something you didn't know before um maybe you take that back and you get to share it with other people and mm-hmm. like actually i did learn that the spiciest part of the seed or the pepper isn't the seed exactly and we hope that that's just fun for you we love hearing back from our um you know our listeners, listeners mm-hmm. and you know we can't do this. We have uh, we have jobs. We have other parts of our lives, and we've got to make that kibble for Satchel. Satchel needs she's a she lot needs of food. So much kibble, and you know you can support us if we've ever brought any joy or information or fun to your life by supporting us on Patreon. Margaret, you, what should they do if they want to do that? Oh gosh, great question. You can go to patreoncom don't pee on your leg. If you'd be so kind, and if you're, of course, able to, you can choose one of three support levels, and the top two levels of those earn you access to bonus content, like every other episode of our other podcast, Gotta Classify Them All. In which the last episode just aired, where you could learn some really cool things about animals that you maybe never knew. Exactly, exactly. So again, you can join, you can support us, and gain access to that Beautiful bonus content at patreon.com slash don't pee on your leg. So now let's head into the main segment of the show, which of course are the misconceptions. Every week, Camden and I bring new scientific misconceptions to share, explain, and discuss. As a note, we each have researched our own misconception. The other person doesn't know what we're going to be talking about. So this is just to make it feel more like a discussion where the other co-hosts can listen along with you all. So again, this is our adults-only episode. These misconceptions will have an adult tint to well, them. After hours. After hours. Doesn't Sorry, have yes, to not be adults only. only. That's a good point. After hours. We hope you're listening to this after five p.m. Your after whatever time, whatever hours you you have. So uh, we are going to do something to figure out who goes first. Um, can and pick a number between one and two. And if you are right, you get to go first. I'm going to write down the number. I was going to say, this seems biased. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to write down the number. If you get it right, you get to go first. Hold on. <laughs> Writing it down. I made some extra scribble noises. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> to uh, confuse you. Okay, what do you I'm think it confused. is? I'm confused. I don't even remember the number. One or go two. <laughs> two. Dang. You got it. Uh. It's two. Go <laughs> first. Tell me some, some after hours information here. All right, everybody. Because... This is after hours. This could be something that just adults are listening to. Could be something you're ready to talk to your kids about. But here we go. Does pineapple make your semen taste different? Great question. Really great question. Yeah, we're hitting it hard. So, uh, Margaret, have you heard this misconception before? Yes, I have. That eating pineapple juice can somehow affect uh, the taste and aroma of semen. I have heard this before. Yes. So my probably citation, in high school, I feel like. Yeah, or I. Think I didn't hear it. My point all, is, I didn't hear it from like a doctor or a no, scientist. Neil, there's a reason for why Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't discussing this. Go I ahead. Don't sorry. Know. Well, okay. Um, so my citations are from the BBC. Nelson Bennett, a urologist, a Northern Arizona University article, a Vet World Journal. uh, Vet World Journal? Vet World Journal, which is a um, peer-reviewed journal about animals, which we'll get into why I'm talking about not humans in some cases, and Vice, uh, media where they interviewed some urologists. So let's get into it. First off, Margaret, what is sperm? Sperm are the... 
um, small, well, it's all very small, but they're, they're basically the little organisms that are in semen that allow, that, that, that fertilize the egg. That's yes. their job. Sperm That's what they are in do. semen. So that's yeah. a good clarification. I'll get more on that in a second. They are not in their own organism. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Which I assume They're that was just thing. a word you use. They are a cell. They are one cell. Um, With little tails. Little tails. And fun little fact, they are the only cell that lives outside the human body. Interesting. Well, on that. Okay. Okay. Makes sense, but mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, they're used in fertilization to make new organisms. So uh, they have how much of the DNA of a brand new half. organism? 50%. Half. Very good. Passing ninth grade yes. biology. Thank you. Oh. Uh, so what organisms have sperm? Um, many. Many. <laughs> uh, basically, if an organism produces a gamete or a sex cell, which is another way to talk about these generally, that is smaller than the other. This is what's known as heterogamy. Wait, it, smaller than the other? Say that again. So if one sex cell mm-hmm. of the two sexes in an organism, okay. if one of those sex cells, like a sperm, mm-hmm. is smaller than another sex cell, in like many animals' cases, an egg, this is known as heterogamy. Okay. As you may guess... They're, if they're the same size, homogamy? Yeah, uh, homogamy, or they also use like isogamy or some other words. But basically, some organisms, they're the same size, which is Mm kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, The smaller gamete in heterogamy, the smaller sex cell is always known as the sperm. Okay. So with that, uh, in animals, the sperm is motile, meaning... Moving. It can move. Uh, But in some organisms, like many plants, which also have sperm, it is not mobile or does not move around. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So, for example, sperm is where um, for a plant in a lot of flowering plants. It's in the um, the the center, the stamen. Uh, Yeah, so it lands on the stamen, but before that is in pollen. Yes, which lands. Pollen is sperm. That's right. Has sperm in it. That's very similar to semen. Pollen you can think of as like an equivalent to semen. It is not only sperm, but it has the sperm in it. But the pollen moves through. An insect or on the wind, um, it does not move on its own, whereas animal sperm does move on its own. Right. Um, so you might wonder where sperm is made. Any guesses? So now we're going to talk about humans. Okay, great. Where is human <laughs> sperm made? Um, in the testicles. In the testes. Very good. Um, specifically, it is made in the seminiferous tubules. Seminiferous tubules. Okay, that makes sense. Semen. Okay. And basically, it is a ton of little tubes inside your testes where it starts um, as an immature sperm and as it travels through a lot of tubes, getting all the way a eventually. Veritable maze. A maze of tubes. It leaves the testes and goes into what is the epididymis. Okay. And that is where mature sperm are stored. Until they are released. Epididymis sounds like you said epidermis while going over a speed bump. <laughs> that's. Thank you for that. That's an observation. Um, yeah. And it, I didn't look up the etymology or why this word epididymis. Epi means outside of. So I, it might just mean like outside of the testes. I don't know mm-hmm. what didymis is. Um, but. That's where the mature sperm are. The testicles are where immature sperm are. So that was sort of a misconception I had, which was 
all the mature sperm are inside your testicles. That's yeah, I definitely are. thought that. Um, or someone's testicles. Uh, so let's get into this misconception. Does what we eat affect how sperm tastes? I'm going to say no. Yeah, so... Because can I can yeah. I hazard a, yeah, a you can go hypothesis? Into I don't think that it does because the the track that food takes through your body does not really ever interact with the path that sperm take through your body. So that is a good clarification. Our intestines and sperm tubes are not connected. Right. Um, and so there's not a lot of opportunity for what you eat to really affect the fluids in your semen. And that's something we're going to get at here too is when people say the sperm, like sperm are inside semen. Mm -hmm. Semen is about just only has 1% of it is sperm. The rest of it is water, sugars, zinc, calcium, lots of nutrients, um, protein. So a lot of semen is not sperm. Okay. And I'm going to get a, a bit of here why that is. So sperm like to live in a pH that's a bit basic or alkaline. It's above the pH of water around, so it's closer to eight. Mm-hmm. Now, sperm eventually, to do the job that they evolved to do, need to go to a vagina, to a uterus, find their way to an egg mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. Vaginal fluid is very acidic. Hazard a guess it to how acidic it is? How acidic is it? That's it. Um... Well, if an eight is very basic. Pretty basic, yeah. Then the scale goes downwards, right? Stomach acid's like one to two. I'm going to say a five. Three to four. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. I did not know that. Um, And so, as you can imagine, sperm don't last very long inside or when in in contact with vaginal fluid. And what's amazing is just thinking about the, the life of a sperm it leaves, um, when it leaves the body, it's going to be around seven and a half of a pH. Then it's going to go into the vagina where it's going to meet a pH around three and a half. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go to the cervix, which increases to like around six. And then the fallopian tube, which goes almost close to eight again. And I say all this, which is, it is a miracle that sperm makes it <laughs> that any anywhere. Of us are alive. Yeah. It is wild. <laughs> Now, to think about this, if something that lives in an environment that isn't acidic becomes in contact with acidic, what might the semen be doing for it? The semen's protecting it, I would feel like. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Like semen is like a protective layer to keep it from just immediately being shocked Mm -hmm. and dissolved and, you know, just, oh, and just (laughs) dissolve away. That's um, the sound of, of sperm dissolving. Giving up. Um, so I say all this because changing even a bit of the chemistry of the vagina or sperm could affect motility and ultimately mm. fertilization. If you taste something different, you have most likely affected the chemistry of that thing. Oh. And so I say this in big picture. Mm-hmm. Does semen not that it has a brain, want to change really anything about it. No. No, it's evolved for (laughs) millions of years to do what it does. Mm -hmm. Um, To this end, 
your sperm motility can be affected. This is a real thing that we, there are lots of studies about. Um, a study out of Oxford in 2012 found that a diet cons- high in carbohydrates and red meat might reduce the motility while those higher in fiber and vegetables might increase motility. Hmm. Smoking, alcohol, and long exposure to heat, even drugs can damage sperm motility. This makes sense, which could expect, could affect fertility. Mm-hmm. But, and even though we do know some things change the smells of urine, mm-hmm. or we can, that right? So I'm thinking of things that, you know, come out of a penis that mm-hmm. are connected, like even our urine. Mm-hmm. We don't think is wanting really to be com- really that different. Is usually again kind of, wanting in like yes, you know, you know, smell can change, color can asparagus. change. Yes, asparagus color can change. Beets. If you've ever had nutritional yeast or beets, um, <laughs> but there's really not a lot of research on what happens to the actual taste mm-hmm. of semen. We know a lot about motility and how that can be affected. But we don't really know about the taste. Could you ha- could you maybe guess why? It seems like a really hard ethical study to conduct. Like getting people to taste other people's semen would be really hard to do on a scale that would allow for some sort of significance to be assessed. Yeah, and... <laughs> I don't know how many agencies are willing to fund that research, yeah. let alone the ethics behind that. So there's not a lot of peer-reviewed studies. And based on everything I could read around what happens to their motility and pH is that if it does change, it's so slight. Drinking a bunch of pineapple juice is potentially going to have a bigger effect on just like your general like diet or yeah. The bacteria in your gut yeah. than it is your on, semen. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you're really, if you're drinking that much, you probably are changing other things about yourself. Now, I, in case people are wondering, it is safe to eat semen. Uh-huh. It is safe to eat, I guess, sperm, although it's just 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fun fact, there's seven calories in a teaspoon of semen. Wow. In case Great. people were <laughs> counting calories, which... <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing don't that count calories, especially don't do not it. this. So there were very un peer reviewed studies I came across. I was in incognito mode for a while. Yeah. Uh, couples were asked to have a regular food week in one study I found through Vice in a, a high in citrus week and a high in caffeine and alcohol and smoking mm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people said it was really based off how much water they had and less about yeah what. So hydration kind of mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them weren't, sh- didn't really see much of a difference. However, it was kind of biased because they knew what week the individuals were on. Yeah, exactly. It was not a they knew single blind or double blind. You right. Can't, yeah. They knew this was the week they were like drinking or this was the week they were having a lot of citrus. So mm-hmm. all that to say, does drinking pineapple affect uh, the taste or any really chemistry of your semen? Not really. Certainly not enough that you're going to get a big taste. It's probably mostly psychological if you yep. think something has caused it to change. Great, Camden. Thank you. Yeah, you can um, delete all of that history that you were using to search for Oh, that. incognito mode? That's fine. Yeah. I think we're okay. Nice. Wow. Okay. Okay. Huh. I wonder why 
that myth came about for pineapple juice specifically or pineapple in general? Like why not oranges or something, you know? The more I read, it seemed like people broadened it a lot outside of pineapple. Oh, like citruses in general. I don't know why, though, pineapple juice, maybe just because it's so strong. Because, yeah. like, orange juice is a drink that probably more people drink than pineapple juice. Right. Well, and I almost said watermelon, but that is such a LaCroix of fruit, so that probably wouldn't yeah. have any impact. And this might also go to, I couldn't find, like, the source of this misconception, but it might also go to the fact that if it's not real so like if you thought well it's orange juice so many people drink orange juice and probably don't notice a change that's a good point that they had to pick something like no no it's pineapple juice because not that's many what people. will change it mm, yeah mm. interesting well thank you for that camden you Extremely are welcome <laughs> i've done science today you everyone did do science all right so mine My misconception is one that I, like yours, heard most often, I think, in high school, almost as an urban legend, like, you know, the same sort of urban legend where people would be like, oh, I know somebody who uh, got pregnant from having oral sex. This is along those same lines, which is I heard that so-and-so got chlamydia from a toilet seat. Oh, I have heard this. Yeah, we're going to be talking about whether or not you can actually get an STI from a toilet seat. And my sources are Western Michigan University's Ask a Sexpert, the Mayo Clinic, Ben Israel Leahy Health Winchester Hospital, Stanford Children's Health, University of Arizona Sex Talk. So let's start with what are STIs, Camden? Sexually transmitted infections. Correct. They are infections that be can, that can be transmitted from person to person in activities related to sex. So it could be oral, anal, vaginal sex, or just by skin-on-skin contact sometimes. And as you might have noticed, Camden, I'm saying STI and not STD. Have you heard that change too? I have. I will say I went through public education in the world of STD, mm-hmm. and I've heard STI more as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um Are you going to break that down for us? Yes, I am. So STD, sexually transmitted diseases. The reason that people don't say STD as much anymore and we now say STI more is because saying disease can make it sound like the virus or bacteria or parasite were made within someone's body. And that's not true. Sexually transmitted infections are from an outside source. And also, as you might have guessed, the term STD has a lot of negative connotations with it, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma. Yeah, a lot of stigma. And the term STI is hopefully going to help fight that stigma. Um, there isn't the same, hopefully, the same amount of perceived judgment about that term. So that being said, there are many different kinds of STIs. Kim, and can you think of some STIs off the top of your head? Chlamydia. Yep. Gonorrhea. Yep. Herpes. Mm-hmm. Syphilis. Great. Yeah. Those are some... I did them all? No, no, no. You didn't do them all, but those are some good examples. I'm sorry, seventh grade health science. (laughs) It's okay. So some STIs are bacterial, some are viral, and some are parasitic. Um, STIs that are bacterial include some of the ones you said, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia. Those bacterial STIs live in the body's mucous membranes, a very sexy term. Margaret's hands did a motion. I did. I did a little wavy motion. If you ever want to remember like a wavy mucous Mucous membrane, membrane. Uh, that's your mouth, your rectum, vagina, or penis. 
And those bacterial STIs are contracted from like membrane to membrane contact. Um, But then the STIs that are viral include the herpes simplex virus, hepatitis B, HPV, which is the human papillomavirus, HIV, which is human immunodeficiency virus. And then finally, parasitic STIs. Can you think of any? I don't. I mean, maybe when you say them, but I can't think of any. Crabs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pubic lice, also known as crabs. Oh. And then there's also trichomoniasis as well. That Oof. is a parasitic STI. So I got to do the the health teacher thing and just put it out there. STIs are potentially very dangerous. And I want to emphasize the importance of getting tested, of knowing the STI status of any partner or partners that you have and using protection. Um, Kim, you might remember this. I'm sure you do, but many STIs are asymptomatic. Have you heard that before? Yes. Yeah. So they don't necessarily show up. You don't necessarily know that anything's changed. Um, and that's what makes STIs particularly dangerous because if they're not noticed, if they're untreated, they can do real damage to somebody's body. And then that person can also unknowingly spread that STI to somebody else. And then some do have symptoms like those pictures you may have seen in health class, um, which unfortunately I think help to spread that stigma. But um, there are those symptoms that you might see like rashes or redness, warts, etc. cetera, um, pain when you pee. And even though condoms, dams don't stop the spread of all STIs, they can prevent a lot of them, not to mention pregnancy. So use protection when you're having any kind of consensual, consensual sex. And if you think you may have been exposed to a sexually transmitted infection, please go talk to a healthcare professional right away and let your partners know as well. That's my little soapbox. I hope you learned something, Camden. I learned that it's always important to be safe. Yeah. Always, always get tested. Always be safe. Um, So, all right. We know that STIs can be spread through several different types of contact but can a toilet seat spread STIs? Kevin, what's your initial thought? Do you think they can? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's after hours. It's opposite day. No, no, it can't. No, oh. no. So this is a lot. This had many of the same tones that my pink eye fart on a pillow misconception had. If you'll cast your brains back to that. Yeah, we almost got banned no, by the we didn't. FCC on that one. And no, no. And the SEC... <laughs> SCC, uh-huh. all of them. Yes, the FDA. Yep. So much like it's not true that you can get pink eye from someone farting on a pillow because the bacteria, if there were any in that fart, the environment that they would need to survive in long enough to affect your eyes, it's not a good environment. A toilet seat is not a good environment. Yeah. For <laughs> uh, STIs. Life. The parasites, yeah, not for not for life. Parasites, viruses, or bacteria. It's not the environment they prefer. Um, for example, the herpes virus dies really quickly once it's outside of the body. Um, and these things just can't survive that long outside of a person's body. That's not where they thrive. And especially a, a smooth, cold, plastic toilet seat, it's not an ideal place for them to hang out, survive, reproduce. Are you going to go into any of the materials that they're built on? Like toilet a, seats? Yeah. Like, are there like certain toilet seats that are more, I guess they just don't survive on any no. of them. So it doesn't no. matter if it's like porcelain or plastic or no. your grandma's Gold like or... furry ones. Or... Oh, oof. 
Oh, yeah. I Did guess you, that's the seat cover, not the seat. That's the seat cover. That's not... Yeah, the seat cover is furry. I hope that no one had a furry... No shame, but get rid of it. Toilets. Oh. That seems... Do you remember... Some older folks have those toilet seat covers. I think your grandma did where it's cushy. Yes. And then when you sat down, there'd always be like a. <laughs> yeah. God forbid a fart sound come out of the bathroom, real or otherwise. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I do remember they that. They always crack me up. All right. Um, <laughs> unintentional will be cushions. Um, so we have another quick turnaround pillow fart situation, a classic situation wherein in order to get pink eye someone we determined would have to fart the right amount of the right kind of bacteria onto your pillow and then you'd have to immediately shove your face eyes open probably mouth open it wouldn't hurt into your pillow and maybe then you'll have pink eye maybe yeah again please don't do that not a realistic scenario same thing with this so in order to get an sti from a toilet seat you probably still wouldn't be able to, but your best bet would be to... You say best bet, like, for those taking notes at home on how to do this, uh, pull a classic prank. No, don't do this. But the virus from a person with the infection would have to be on the toilet seat right before another person sits on it, exactly where the virus was, if the virus even were to miraculously survive outside the body. So, And in these unlikely. cases, right, you're probably talking about the bacterial ones. Yes. Because like the viral ones and yeah, Parasitic. like, yeah, are probably not even the ones that would come in that contact. No, exactly. Again, exactly. This isn't going to happen, but like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, Now, what's actually scary in the bathroom are things like, handles not because of stis but because they are disgusting that's where all that harmful bacteria actually do hang out um, from other illnesses as we all know from our current pandemic situation it is so important to wash your hands because any shared surface um, again not a toilet seat not with stis is going to be something of concern. So please, please wash your hands. That's why I always love the bathrooms where you walk through no door. It's just like a hallway and you find a bunch of sinks and there's just a bunch of stalls. Mm -hmm. Because when you leave and then you wash your hands, nothing is worse than staring at that handle going, well, what was this for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This has been my stand-up about bathrooms. Ha. (laughs) Ha. (laughs) I'll plug in the, oh, there, oh my God, thank you. I didn't know we had an audience. We're doing this live today, everyone. Really good. Really good stuff. So in conclusion, wash your hands, get tested for STIs, use protection, and support the abilities of others to have access to testing and protection too. You can donate to Planned Parenthood. Um, Hopefully there's one local to you. Um, But those resources are really, really important for people who may not have any other opportunity to get those important tests and those, um, that medical treatment. So thank you so much. Don't, don't worry about toilet seats for the reason that you think you should. Thanks health teacher. (laughs) I wish I had had me for a health teacher. I kind of did because I took that class on my own. All right. So our next and last segment is something that we are consuming in some way this week. So we're reading, watching, interested in, in some way. Uh, I'll go first since I went last for the misconceptions. 
I am reading a great book by Samantha Irby called Wow, No Thank You. And they are a collection of essays that she's written about, uh, so far, I mean, I've not finished it, but her day-to-day life. I really have enjoyed it because it's this humorous take on things that we all do that we feel are strange and that other people don't do, but really you're not alone and everybody feels awkward and, you you know, struggles with things. Oh, like, I mean, this is kind of a a surface level example, but just like hating going out. And of course we don't do that a lot, but just all of the, the energy that has to go in, even like considering going out to like somewhere where there's dancing and stuff like that. Um, I feel like that's something we don't talk about that much, but (laughs) everybody hates, hates that preparation. Everybody, it just takes so much more energy. Um, but she also talks about her struggles with uh, mental health, and I, I really appreciate her honesty in that. So I would strongly recommend Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby. Camden, what are you consuming? What have you consumed? Well, we consumed Hail Satan, mm-hmm. with which a question is a mark? documentary um, on Hulu. Very good. Yeah, it was. So it's about um, the Satan. The Satanic Temple. The Satanic Temple, Mm because there are two. But yeah, the Satanic Temple. um, And just about like the misconceptions, as you would like on this podcast, of what it means to be a Satanist. Today. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just because I think a lot of people think it's about worshiping Satan, which they interview a lot of Satanists, and it's not. Mm -mm. Um, It's about religious pluralism, um, embracing religious, you know, other religious... religious freedom, yeah. Religious freedom, alternate uh, or other religious viewpoints um which it's really like i really think anyone no matter what faith you are no matter how strong you are in your faith or if you have you know if you're not religious like i think everyone should watch it because mm-hmm. it you know it gives you a different understanding of what it means to be a satanist rather than hearing what people think it is mm-hmm. they actually talk to the people who founded that church um, and it's really, really, really interesting. Obviously, you could guess that there are a lot of people who don't like them because yeah. of what they think they stand for. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you are a person who likes to educate yourself and... You clearly are. You're here you, with you're us. You're here. You've made it this far. You should give it a listen. Hail <laughs> Satan documentary on Hulu. Thanks, Camden. And thank you all so much for listening today. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please rate us and leave us a quick review. Please also subscribe. Written reviews help new listeners decide if they want to give us a try. So help us out, help new listeners out by leaving us a quick positive review and hitting that subscribe button. We have a bookshop site so you can find all the books we've ever recommended on our podcast, such as Wow No Thank You by Samantha Irby. And anything else we've ever recommended, um, this helps listeners find books at independent bookstores while giving a percentage of those books purchased back to us. So you can support us and small businesses at the same time by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash don't be on your leg. You can find more content from us on our social media pages on Instagram at don't pee on your leg. At Twitter at don't pee, just the letter P on your leg. Facebook at facebook.com slash don't pee on your leg. Don't pee on your leg and other scientific misconceptions is a podcast produced by two birds, one scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at twobirdsonescone.org. Original music is by Camillo.
And as always, if you have other scientific misconceptions you would like explained, want to provide feedback to us, or just want to say hi, please email us at don'tpeonyourleg at gmail.com. Have Have a a great great week. week!